0: Welcome. Thanks for listening. This is Beyond the Illusion. In this episode, we're going to be talking with Mary Weedner about a near-death experience that she survived. As one would expect, this was a very dramatic and transformative event in Mary's life, and we're extremely grateful that she was willing to share something so personal with us during this conversation. And as you're about to find out, Mary's journey happens to be a particularly fascinating one even without the near-death experience. During this conversation, I felt like there were a few things that she mentioned that I would have liked to ask her to elaborate on but out of respect for Mary's time we stay focused mainly on her near death experience. Perhaps at some point in the future we can get Mary to come back on because I have a feeling that she has much more to share with us. This conversation was recorded using software to connect us to Mary who is in Puerto Rico to Tyana and I here in Austin, Texas and as a result there are a few places in the recording where Mary sounds a little choppy. But overall, the sound quality is pretty good considering the fact that she's on an island. Thanks for your understanding. Now, let's go to the conversation with Mary, Tiana, and myself.
1: I'm just really excited to have Mary on the podcast. So Mary and I met last year. We were roommates in this... um, spiritual retreat in Ecuador. And it was one of those things, I'm kind of one of those kind of people that I just intuitively feel called to go somewhere or I sign up for something, sometimes without having even fully researched the facts. And this was one of those things, I was listening to this podcast for the first time and they were talking about this spiritual retreat that they were holding. And something in me was like, yes, I'm supposed to be there. Um, without even paying attention to the details, I didn't realize it was in Ecuador. For some reason, I thought it was in California. Um, and then I went and, <laughs> and I signed up for it. And I was like, oh, cool. It's in Ecuador. I haven't been there yet. Um, and then made the payments. And it was like a month before or so, they started sending us all of this information um, that we needed to read and listen to. And I was like, oh, my gosh, there's all this homework. I didn't even know what I signed up for. Um but I really felt that I was meant to meet some, I, I just made these great friends and, um, while I was there, and that's what it was about, and Mary was one of them. We just had a really great connection right from the start.
2: Yeah, I feel the same way, I feel the same way. I felt like I, I just knew her. I felt like I knew her all my life, really, so, yeah.
0: So, where are you right now? You're, you're not in the United States, are you?
2: No, I'm in Sunny Calabria, Puerto Rico. It's an island off the coast of Puerto Rico. Oh. It's about three miles by five miles.
0: Okay. How long have size. you? How long <laughs> have you been there?
2: I've been here over nine years, almost nine and a half years. Okay. And I'm um, originally from New York, and before moving here, I, w- I lived in Philadelphia. Okay. And I basically moved here because I'm I'm a registered nurse, and I got really burned out and my husband and I decided to start this guest house here
1: because there's no
2: there's no large uh, hotel chains on the island. So everybody has guest houses.
1: It looks beautiful. And eventually I'm gonna go visit you. And, and she also holds retreats there. So mm-hmm. yeah, it looks amazing. Um Oh, thank you. But one of the things, so, you know, when we were roommates and you get to know each other, And, and Mary had told me about her near death experience. And, Mm -hmm. um, and that's something that really fascinates me that I've researched a little bit about and, um, see some commonalities with this type of spiritual regression that I do, um, but really wanted to hear you tell your story about your near death experience and how that impacted you in your life. Sure,
2: sure. Um it happened a week before Thanksgiving, um, in two thousand and fourteen. And I was preparing the rooms for our new high season, the Thanksgiving season, and I was putting on one of those little skirts that you put on under the mattress. I think it's called a bed skirt, mm-hmm. and lifting the mattress up and it was brand new out of the package. I'm not sure if I was allergic to any chemical that was in the package, or it was from cleaning, I'm not really sure, but basically, long story short, is my my lungs were closing up, and I felt like I was having an asthma attack. And I have a history of asthma, so I do have a nebulizer, and um, (laughs) I thought, well, I, I feel like I'm having an asthma attack, Back upstairs. Now, my guest rooms are all downstairs and live upstairs. And by the time I got out of the room and started to go up the stairs um, to the main house, my lungs had completely closed up. And it's called anaphylaxis. Um, Should I just keep telling the story? (laughs) Yeah. yeah, That must have been frightening. (laughs) Yeah. um, It's happened to me a few times but not to this extent. So I wasn't I, I wasn't in a panic, I knew what to do. I'm a nurse, I knew what to do. I had the nebulizer and the medication in the refrigerator, but I was basically crawling to um, have this bridge that connects, um, it's hard to, it's just like a bridge that connects the outside to the front door. So I crawled my way in and my husband was in the kitchen, thank God, and I just said nebulizer, that's the only word I could get out, and he knew how to get the medication out and get it in the nebulizer, and helped me do that, and I I just said ambulance. Now my husband's legally blind, so he can't drive, and we just have a small clinic here, but I knew I needed medical help. I knew I needed epinephrine, and normally I carry an EpiPen with me, but it was really outdated, um, probably by years. And at this time, the price was pretty high. It was $200 for an EpiPen, and I didn't have one. So I was trying to get the medication into my lungs, but they had closed up so much that even puffing on the nebulizer with the albuterol was not opening my lungs. So um, my husband was frantically trying to find the phone number to the clinic, and he um, I just looked at him and I I said, I'm dying. It's just like, I just knew. I was very calm, which was weird, but I just said, I'm dying. And um, he was able to get an ambulance to come, but this is kind of a rinky-dink healthcare service here. I assumed they would have epinephrine on, on the ambulance, but they did not. Oh, wow. And the guy came up and he was like trying to talk to me and I was getting really irritated because I obviously couldn't even speak. And I, I knew he wasn't like a first responder because <laughs> he didn't have assessment skills, you know what I mean?
0: Mm-hmm. And,
2: um, but, but long story short, by the time he got me into the ambulance um, and was driving me to the clinic, which is about probably a mile and a half away on bumpy roads, I, I, that's when I blacked out. But I could hear him saying, stay with me, stay with me. And, and then I don't remember anything after that until I, I guess, left my body. So at this point, I, what I remember next is being in, it was like being in like gray soup, I guess. But it was a very warm, um, loving, peaceful feeling and everything went away, all the pain, you know, I was really struggling to breathe, you know, like a fish out of water. And all that went away, and I just, I think I just let go and surrendered, and then it was just pure peace, pure bliss. Um, I didn't see anything specifically except darkness, but it wasn't darkness to be afraid of. It was more like, um, I would say it was like being in the womb, maybe, something like that, in the mother's womb, but... um, it felt really great, and I thought at that time, "Oh, I'm dead. This is this is what death is." And then um, I wanted to tell my husband, "I'm okay. This is great." You know, I felt really, I felt so good that I wanted to share it with my husband. Mm. And as soon as I had that thought, um, I was back to where my I was right where my husband was, and at that point, he was standing in the clinic and I was overhead and I could see people um, frantically working on me and I could see him standing there completely like, um, I mean, the eyes were bulging. He he was very upset. And I was trying to, to tell him I'm okay. You know, I'm okay, I'm right here, it's okay. I just wanted him to know I was okay and tell him how great it was, you know. Um and um obviously he wasn't he didn't know I was there and um at that point I I felt myself lift like like I was going up an elevator only from my butt if that makes sense <laughs> it was like I was lifted up from my butt and then I was up out of the clinic and I could see all the trees And then everything got sparkly and... This part's a little hard to, um, it's hard to really convey what it was like, but I can say that the colors were more beautiful than any color I've ever seen here. And everything was breathing. Everything was alive. The plants were alive, the flowers, everything was breathing and mathematical. And I, I'm not sure, it wasn't like numbers math, but everything just was mathematical and it, and I guess energy, just everything was alive and breathing. And it was at this point that, um, I don't know how to describe this part, but I felt like just so enveloped in love and surrounded by love and bliss and light and music. and It's just hard to to describe. Um, But I, I was getting, it was like I would have a question and before the question came out, I would get the answer. And it was all telepathic. But there wasn't one being that I saw that I was speaking to it was just a being nest that was all around me
1: do you remember what questions <laughs> yeah it does to me there's a lot of similarities with um spiritual experiences that I've had or out-of-body experiences that I've had or lucid dreams that I've had um yeah I was just wondering if you remembered what that conversation was, like what you asked and what were the answers that came back? You know,
2: it's funny because everything made sense to me. I feel like my whole life or maybe other lives, everything made sense. It's like, I don't know. I just had all the answers and everything made sense. And I was like, oh, of course. And I just felt like I was, um, was home, I guess. And, um, To be honest, I've spent a lot of my lifetime here feeling a homesick feeling. And when I was there, that was gone completely. Hmm. And um, I was able to take a couple things back with me, which I'm supposed to share, which um, the one thing is um, love is all that matters. And the second thing I'm to share is that we are all one. So those two things are very important for me to share, and I try to share them as much as possible. <laughs> um, and then I, I was in this space, I, I'm not sure how long, the, the total time I was down was 11 minutes. To me, it felt, it felt like, um, it felt like hours. <laughs> and I, I could see like 360 degrees I had no body, but yet I could see all around me, and I was me, and I think that was the most thrilling part for me, was that I was still me, like, it was me, so.
0: Yeah, I was going to ask about that, it seemed like you, from what you described, a lot of time passed, but I guess they were only working on you for 11 minutes then, and Mm But yeah. it's
1: a timeless space. Yeah. I it, was
0: going to say. Yeah. I've
1: referred to this movie before, but you remember In Contact? <laughs> and mm-hmm. then um, she has that whole oh, experience, right. and then she comes back, and then, you know, only like any- a second pass. Yeah. Because yeah. um, it's not. How frustrating is that? <laughs> <laughs> um, you know, the two things that you mentioned that you came back to tell people that, you know, love is all there is or love is all that matters. And and everything is connected. They sound so simple, but they're really powerful. We're like we can be like, yeah, yeah, I I get that. But actually, um, if we were to live from those truths, it would totally change the way that we live. And then I wouldn't get annoyed at the person when I'm driving down the street, or you know, all of these things. Um, uh, I've heard that again and again. You, have you have you guys ever watched um, this show called I Survived Beyond and Back? It's all near-death experiences. There's a show like I Survived, and people are talking about harrowing experiences that they have. But then they had this special version of it called I Survived Beyond and Back, and it's all near-death experiences. Like, you can go to YouTube and Google that and see a bunch of the yeah. episodes. Um, and it's amazing. I, I mean, I watched all the episodes. <laughs> and... Um, There's so many commonalities, but like the one that touches me the most is that ever-present, overwhelming, pervasive love that everybody talks about that they experience, Mm -hmm. and just like you, the, the realization, like, oh, it's okay, it's okay when I'm away from my body or my body dies, I'm okay, and I'm loved, and it's it's what we're usually missing here in the physical world because we have this belief of this illusion of separation and and we 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 cut ourselves off from that experience but it's possible to have Mm -hmm. it here in the physical yeah
2: i can tell you i was pretty upset when i i I felt what i didn't mention um after that was this is very, very hard to describe, but I'm going to try to describe it. <laughs> I w- it was like I was looking at this hill, this green, lush hill, and it started moving, um, and it was kind of serpent-like, coming towards me, so it would go diagonally, you know, um, back and forth, getting closer and closer to me. It was as if the mound of earth came to life and became a serpent, but then that serpent became a tunnel. And then inside of that green tunnel was a light, and I was moving towards it. And that's when I was slammed back into my body. And that's why I was so irritated. Um, I was pretty mad because I didn't want to leave that place. I loved it there. (laughs) And... um, Although I was excited to tell my husband, and I kept trying to tell everyone um, as soon as I could talk, you know where I went. I really wanted to tell people. Uh, I was. I went into a pretty major depression for about at least. I feel like it was about three months, and because I, I couldn't believe I was back in this extremely dense, extremely heavy body. And I remember looking down at my legs thinking, those don't belong to me. And it just seemed so heavy. And I thought, oh, I don't want to be here. You know what I mean? Yeah. So you're supposed to be grateful to be alive, but I didn't feel grateful. I felt really pissed
1: off. <laughs> <laughs> that, that's a common, out. Al- you know, I was reading about near-death experiences and the common things that people ha- experience. And that's very, very common is that... Um, people don't want to come back and when they do come back they go into a major depression because it's hard you know you come you're experiencing total love and feeling at home and everything is is safe and and peaceful and happy and then you come back into this dense challenging physical world and um so yeah that's actually really really common that people go through a period of depression before they're able to sort of process and integrate the experience and kind of and then, and then a lot of people have a, a shifter transformation um, once that kind of gets integrated. Did you experience that?
2: Yeah, I started. Um, well, what I didn't tell you was I had broken my hip um, prior to that, and they put the hip back not quite right, so I needed a total hip replacement. Oh. And I had that done, and then I had a lot of time. I had a lot of downtime. <laughs> And that's when I started do, researching spirituality. I became uh, I became just hungry for as much information as I could get because I was so... I, I didn't have anyone... People here on this island didn't want to hear my story. They Some of them thought it was brain chemicals. Mm-hmm. Uh, you know, there was... Most people didn't want to hear it. Even my children didn't want to hear it at first. My kids are like... My my son's thirty two and my daughter's twenty nine, so they're not little kids. But especially my daughter, she didn't want to hear that. You know, mom didn't want to come back. I guess. Mm. And uh, but anyway, yeah, I started to integrate the information. I started to. I, I took Reiki. I got into Reiki. I got into energy healing. It was a slow thing. It wasn't. Um, I guess it was a journey. So it was just a little at a time. And my guides are interesting. They know not to put too much of the path in front of me. And what they show me is just like one brick at a time and I just step on that one brick. And then they put another brick out for me and I step on that brick. And that's kind of how, uh, how, I, how, how I'm guided. So I feel like everything from that point on has been guided. Certainly my YouTube channel's been guided and it's helped me to get that message out there Uh, to people and to help people I mean I'm I'm a healer and even though I'm not doing nursing care right now I'm able to do energy healing so I started out with the Reiki uh, and then everything kind of progressed from there
1: before you had the near-death experience would you consider did you have a certain religious or spiritual belief system or where where were you along that? well I
2: was brought up Catholic, but I, uh, even though I brought my kids to Catholic um, what it was called like church school, Sunday school, (laughs) when they were little kids and they each made their first communion, I tried to be a good mom, but my heart wasn't in it, you know. Um, But I always had a real, um, I was always into the paranormal. I had, growing up, I always lived in a haunted house. And now that I look back, I think, well, maybe it was me. Maybe the house wasn't haunted because it was <laughs> the different houses growing up, and even into adulthood, um, there was always some something paranormal going on around me. <laughs> and I was always interested in it. And I used to read like Wayne Dyer, and I was always into um, spirituality and trying trying to, I guess, connect more or find my way. But I can tell you when this happened to me, uh, I'm gonna share something very personal. Uh, I had, when I moved to this island, nine and a half years ago, I was drinking a lot. It's probably why I moved here, because it was a vacation spot. And just before my near-death experience, which was in November, the August prior to that, I had gone to rehab. So I was sober, completely sober, and doing a 12 step program. So I was talking to God again and I was having a spiritual awakening. And I honestly feel that my guides were trying to tell me, look, you, you have not been on your path. You got off your path and you need to get back on, got sober. And then I know I had the near death experience to, to wake me up, so to speak.
1: Do you feel like that was part of your soul plan that you had predetermined this experience? Or, you know, I I think some things we kind of come in with a plan and a blueprint, like, okay, Mm -hmm. there's these certain people that I I have contracts with, I need to work with, or certain events that will push me in the direction that I'm trying to grow and learn. Do you feel like this was a preset thing, or do you feel like it was because you had veered off track, it was it was something that needed to happen to kind of push you back on?
2: Uh, maybe a little of both. I, I grew up in a very, I had a very difficult childhood with an alcoholic mother and drug addicted mom, and she died in a fire um, about five years before I moved to Calabria. And I hadn't spoken to her in six years, but I feel like how... Some people who have difficult childhoods where you're kind of having to walk on eggshells, so to speak, not knowing what mood the parent's going to be in or what you're going to have to deal with when you get home from school helps you to be maybe more sensitive. So I think I've always been a little sensitive to energy, maybe because of that. But I, I also think that, you know, I chose my parents, specifically my mom and probably chose alcoholism uh, maybe in this lifetime and went through it myself in order to develop compassion for others because I I have sponsees, I do a lot of um, speaking, public speaking about recovery. So uh, I feel that everything that's happened to this point has prepared me for what I am to do going forward
1: that's really um evolved to be able to see that a lot of times it's hard for people who had really difficult childhoods to to you know think that oh maybe i chose that and here's the benefit of those really difficult experiences um, but it's beautiful the way that you just stated it and I've, I've seen that with my a number of my clients who had abusive or addicted parents that just like you said it did cause them to um, become hypersensitive and it, it became a gift for them as an adult that they were able to tune into energies and be very intuitive um, because of that.
0: Mm-hmm. Yeah, it seems like it's been somewhat of a theme too, um, even just with us, like some of the people that we've interviewed, they all seem to talk about this like period in their life that was pretty difficult And then somehow they, you know, found their way kind of like you did where they became more spiritual and they, a lot of times attribute it to that difficult period in their life. You know, like that was a prerequisite almost for them. And, um, it's not just been you, it's been like, I think you're like the third person that's actually mentioned that they've had a really hard time at some point in their life and then, you know, became, you know, spiritual and then actually started doing this kind of work for a living um did you ever think you know before this all this happened that you would end up doing this kind of work
2: absolutely not <laughs> i had no idea i would be my, my life is completely changed
0: yeah so do you ever um do you ever see some of the people that you knew before all this and and then you know do they notice that difference in you or do you ever see anyone like that in your life?
2: To be honest, because of where I live, I don't see too many people from my past. Um, sometimes on Facebook they'll see me, but and, and you know some of my family thinks I'm absolutely bonkers. <laughs> <laughs> sure. So, um, you know some of them are coming around, but it's uh, it's taking some time. My dad, uh, whenever I'll bring up something about my spirituality or my YouTube channel,
1: whatever, he, he changes the subject. So
2: <laughs> yeah. he's not quite he's not quite ready. I think <laughs> we, we quite there.
1: come to realize that, you know, we're not here to prove anything to someone. Um, we just step into who we are authentically and shine our light. And people who resonate with that will be more interested and in, inquire. And then people that don't, we don't have to have, Those conversations. I certainly have people like that in my life. They they know what I do for a living and and sort of what my belief system is peripherally, but we don't have Mm -hmm. those conversations because they're not open to them, and and that's okay. (laughs) Sure,
2: sure. I never like get I never get proselytizing or anything like that. I I find that people who I, I think more newer people are coming into my life. I guess that are at the same frequency or vibration Mm -hmm. so I've made uh, a lot of new friends I've lost a few friends to be honest with you uh, that just don't you know get me (laughs) make fun of my you know they'll call my crystals my little rocks you know things like that they you know kind of make fun of it you know that's that's uh, woo-woo stuff but that's fine I, I kind of let them drop off with love and and then there were people have come into my life, so it's
0: really good. Yeah, I mean, the reason I asked that was kind of because, yeah, I can see that happening in my own life where now I find, like, all these new people in my life that I feel like I have a lot in common with. But um, it doesn't mean that I'm, like, you know, dropping friends or anything just because they don't hold the same beliefs. It's just that, you know, I find myself moving in a different direction than them. And, um, it's kind of funny cause just this week, my cousin, um, reached out to me, he said he had found this podcast and he was like the last person in the world that I would have ever thought would be interested in this kind of stuff. And he's like super interested in it and he's really excited about it. And so that was just kind of a funny thing that just happened.
1: That's, that's fun. Right. When that happens, mm-hmm. I think it's scary for us. I know it was for me, um, to, to put yourself out there like, oh, anyone can find this podcast. And then Mary, you know, you have your YouTube channel and this, and we talk about very personal things and experiences that other people don't believe in and just to put it out there and, oh, wow, anyone could search and find that. Um, but I do think that's part of a spiritual path is to really step into your truth and own it and be it. And, um, when we make that leap, we do find that the right people start to show up and, and wouldn't have if we hadn't have stepped out into the light and and just express who we are. Yeah. Absolutely.
2: I'm mm-hmm. oh,
1: sorry. <laughs> oh, I was just
0: gonna say, I, I thought it was really interesting. And it surprised me that you said you went into a depression after you came out. And, and, um and even Tyana, when you said that, that was common for people to have depression after that. Um, because you never hear that part of the story, I guess. You just hear about people coming back and being like really appreciative for life. And if
1: you watch I Survive Beyond and Back, <laughs> you would know that that's common. Also, yeah. um, there's this organization, IANS, it's um, International Association for Near Death Studies. And I had gone to, because I do the Life Between Lives regression which is um, a hypnosis technique, taking people after you died in your last life, before you come back in this life, you know, um, what, what happens there in spirit realm. You meet your soul group, you review your last life, you plan for this life, these kinds of things. Um, there's an overlap because some people when you hear i mean i thought this like when you hear about some people's near death experiences you kind of have a little like experience envy like oh wow i want to have one of those we don't really want, i mean we don't really want our body to die but you're like oh wouldn't that be so cool you know and luckily we don't have to have our physical body die to have an experience like this and so hypnosis is one way that people can have this experience or like i said there's overlap of things that when Mary, when you were describing your experience, I thought, Oh, yeah, you know, um, like out of body experience. I think I shared that one out of body experience where I was like in the cosmos. It was amazing. And then I thought of my boyfriend at that time. And um, I'm like, Oh, he would really enjoy this. And as soon as I thought of that, boom, I was like floating back over my body in bed next to him. And so that's sort of similar to what she was saying um, about thinking about her husband. And then boom, you find yourself back there or especially what you said about like the vivid colors, and, and I've had those experiences, and I think you have too, Tim, like maybe whether it's in like a lucid dream, or in meditation, or an out of body experience, where um, yes, everything is more vivid, the colors that don't exist here, or more beautiful sounds that don't exist here, um, I've experienced that feeling but an out-of-body experiences where it feels more real than this reality and that's another thing that I read in these um, common experiences for near-death experiences where people said that um, there's like this heightened awareness and clarity in their consciousness that is more real than this reality. And so mm-hmm. this idea where, oh, this is a hallucination, um, where it's kind of the opposite of it, again, like where we're kind of clearing this fog and this veil that's keeping us from seeing the true reality, that that makes sense to me. And also, you, you mentioned that how some people were saying, oh, this is kind of just like a trick of your mind or hallucination, and just because... Um, you know in studies they can tinker with the mind and trigger hallucinations they're saying oh yeah that explains it um but it doesn't necessarily just because you can create that doesn't mean that that's what's happening also mm-hmm. a lot of people in their near-death experiences um, when they're over their body and they're um, watching the scene like like you did um, would hear um, or see things that you wouldn't be able to when your body is clinically dead, um, you know, people would hear what the nurse said and later relay it back or be oh, floating yes. above. I, yeah, I, go ahead.
2: I'm sorry, I, I should have mentioned I, I saw who was putting an IV in me, and it was this nurse named Tito, and he was a male nurse. And um, when I told my husband that, my husband, that's when he was like, wow.
1: This is real. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, things like that. There's so many cases of that. Your, your eyes are closed, mm-hmm. you're clinically dead, and yet you saw and heard and knew things that were happening in that room that you couldn't have known, and there's no explanation for that besides our consciousness can exist outside of our body.
0: Is, is that really kind of how you would think of it for yourself, that your consciousness continued to exist outside of your body and that's what you were experiencing or do you see yes okay
2: i I felt like i was still me and it's definitely consciousness i mean that's that's how i feel and what's good because of this experience if i i don't do a whole lot of mediumship because i really like to connect with the higher realms to be honest Mm -hmm. but if it's for healing for someone where they need to have closure um you know, someone committed suicide, things like that, I will connect with spirit. But it's nice to let people know that their loved ones have crossed over, but as soon as you think of them, they're right here with you. or Because it's all telepathic, so we're all communicating telepathically with our loved ones who have crossed over. Because I experienced that myself, I'm able to um, share that with family members who are grieving, you know, to let them know that, they are okay and they're not really there's no such thing as death we are eternal beings
1: yeah I I think I've mentioned this before on the podcast but you know someone had famously said that we have it backwards that birth is the trauma and death is the release and um, that's kind of sort of what happened to you when you came back into your body and it felt traumatic to come back it's it's hard to be in these physical flesh suits and uh, it's really freeing to to be released and to feel and remember and know the interconnectedness and to experience all the love. I love that you said about what you said about realizing that you still retain your individuality because I think that some of the some atheists and people that I know Um, I see that they're afraid of opening to the idea of spirituality because there is this fear of losing their self. Like, oh, if I open to spirit, then, um, you know, and I open to that idea, then that means that when I die, I just become part of the one. And and that's frightening, I think, Um, even if people wouldn't admit that. I I see that. Um, And so it is nice to realize, like, that you can be the drop in the ocean. The drop is still the drop, but it's part of the ocean and it doesn't get lost in that.
2: Yes, yes, it, it's like being, I felt like I was surrounded by this fuzzy, light being, or I don't know what it was, <laughs> source energy maybe, mm-hmm. But but also part of it, but still myself, so yeah, pretty amazing.
0: So do you feel like you um, had this experience because on some level you forgot or you didn't believe in this idea of eternal existence and that it brought it back to you, like the reality of it to you?
2: I think I had it because, you know, my guides were telling me, this is after the fact, you know, I've had time to process this that um, time was getting shorter and I had a job to do and, um, you know, time, It, I needed to get it done and, and I wasn't doing, I wasn't on my path. I wasn't on my path. So, you know, I know that to be true.
0: Okay. Yeah.
1: Yeah, that's a common thing too is that when people come back, there is um, after they go through that kind of depression and processing there is like a renewed sense of a, a purpose and a focus about um, why they're here and making use of that time um, that might not have been there before yeah
0: mm-hmm. I have a couple of questions so um, and, and you can answer them in whatever order but so after the three months Um, I want to know kind of like what that process was like for you once you were able to process everything and then, um, what you took away from it, you know, the positives, I guess. And then the other question is, so you're a medium now you work as a medium and were those abilities always with you growing up or did you feel them like more after this happened to you?
2: Um, I'll address the mediumship, uh, according to my sister, when I was little, I used to talk to nothing. (laughs) (laughs) And um, I I think I did that as a small child. And then as I got a little older, um, I was always the weird kid, the the black sheep, the one who didn't fit in, you know. And so I was trying really, really hard to be normal. And so I just stuffed that away. And I feel like Getting sober certainly helped to bring that out. And then the more I was meditating, and I think the reason I started meditating was because I wanted to go back there. I wanted to feel that feeling again. And I, I, I tried and tried everything I could think of to feel that feeling again. So meditation was part of that practice. And then that's when the the mediumship started coming in, and intuition, and the clairvoyance and, and all the clairs and all of that. Um, and what was your first question uh,
0: it was after the three months that you went through that low period then um, what was it like after that like what did you take away from that experience in terms of like the positive side Uh,
2: I felt like it was a real gift because it got me through the total hip replacement which was it took me three surgeons I had to ask the third surgeon finally said yes after two doctor visits it was a very difficult 12-hour surgery and uh the surgeon said that he was really concerned about getting the rods out of the cement in my hip in order to put the new hip in and he said that he said after the surgery that god was in that room and i just i was doing a lot more praying. I started to connect with angels. (laughs) And um, I had never done that before. That was very new. And I started connecting with angels. I started feeling present around me and I didn't know what it was. And then I just started connecting and I started watching YouTube and um, finding teachers. You know, when the student's ready, the teachers appear and that's what was happening. And that got me through the total hip replacement surgery and my recovery without any pain medicine because I'm, wow. I'm in recovery and I did I did a spinal anesthesia and I didn't want to take any pain meds and that was a very difficult time in my life. I don't know how I would have done it without my my faith. And, um, and I, I'm not sure I could have stayed sober either. To be honest with you, I feel like it was a uh, it was a way of keeping me sober <laughs> to know that I had a higher purpose, and that you know, when I drank, I was self medicating my anxiety or whatever. Um, and instead of doing that, to speak my truth and be who I truly am was all I really needed to do, you know. So from a small child not fitting in and trying to fit in my whole life, to have this experience and know, oh. I'm me, this is who I'm supposed to be, and then to have almost permission to just be who I am is what's gotten me, has kept me sober for over five years, and um, made me who I am today, and I I feel, and I'm a healer, too, and and healing is very important to me,
1: so. So some people have that experience of a life review during the, it sounds like you've Done a lot of reflection. I didn't hear you didn't actually have like during the experience like the seeing or experiencing scenes from your life.
2: I actually did have a life review. Oh wow! But I forgot. I for, it's it's hard. I've never told this story out loud to anyone before like this. So I Thank actually you. forgot that part. That's okay. Thank you. But for it was
1: sharing.
2: it it was. It's, it wasn't a life review like you're in a theater watching it. It was almost like experiencing it, but more from other, the other people's point of view. So I, I remember there was a couple things in my childhood where I was not very nice to certain people. And they were really little things. Um, I said something to my grandfather that just tore him apart. I mean, his heart hurt and I experienced it from his point of view. What I can tell you is that you know, being successful in the world today is not about where you go to college and how much money you make. It's, it's about those little tiny things that we do for people like uh, offering them money at the register if they don't have enough change. Um, it's those little kindnesses that we don't even think matter those are
1: huge
2: <laughs> on the other side. You know what I mean?
1: That's really helpful because I think sometimes people think that they have to, you know, have this big spiritual life mission purpose, but all of those little things really do have an impact. I've heard that, um, what you said um, from other people, that they experience the other people's perspective. I mean, that's sort of what karma is in a way, right? Like, oh, if we had to experience everything that we've done how it's impacted other people um that we don't need like this like karma gods that like for something like just just having to experience on the other side would shift us to realize like oh wow that's the impact that i'm having on someone or through my actions Mm -hmm. um Mm -hmm. yeah that's incredible scary but incredible <laughs>
0: <laughs> did you did you know at the time you know when, when you said whatever you said to your grandfather that it had hurt his feelings at that time or did you, you I, just I became no aware clue. of it Abs-
2: I, I had no clue no idea
0: oh wow you know I think our
2: teenage years we are not the nicest people
0: yeah <laughs> for sure <laughs> <laughs> middle school I, also I
2: think I was, yeah yeah it, I don't even think I gave it a second, not even a thought.
1: Right. I don't think that in in that uh, life review experience, there's no judgment. It's all coming from love. Just kind of it brings us into an expanded awareness to be able to feel what the other person felt so that we come to Mm -hmm. our own realization. There's no one up there like saying, oh, you shouldn't have done that, you know, look what you did. You just feel it and you go, oh.
2: Right, and we're the judgment we're we're judging ourselves, and the thing is it it helped me to be so much less judgmental i I try you know sometimes I revert back, I'm human, but I don't judge people the way I used to. I mean, I don't at all, and those random acts of kindness are huge I mean huge i can't I can't say that enough, you know, just um touching someone, smiling at someone you don't know what day they're having you don't know how that connection changed their life you know
0: yeah Mm -hmm. totally and so how is your relationship with um your you and i think you have a is that an airplane or something going by yeah
2: sorry about that we have a small small airport here
0: oh that's okay little
2: little puddle jumper just went out yeah that's what it sounded like
0: I was going to ask, um, so how has this affected you, your relationship with your husband?
2: You know, it's funny. (laughs) My husband, when I married him, was an atheist. He didn't have uh, much of a spiritual belief system at all. He used to placate me when I would talk about it, but I knew he didn't really believe. And through the last five years just watching me, he's... He really, I feel like he's going through an awakening of his own. And he's so different. You know, this political climate, he would have been a mess um, five years ago. But now he's kind of like, oh, it's an external thing. We don't have control over, you know. <laughs> so, I mean, that's really great. And also, we, I mean, he is so grateful for, for the time that we have together because he almost, he almost lost me. You know, uh, I was gray on the table and he witnessed the whole thing. It wasn't where they swept me away to some great ER and pushed him out of the way. I mean, this is a small clinic and he saw everything. And, you know, I think that was hard for him to go through. And and so I think he's just grateful. We're just both grateful for the time that we have together.
1: Wow. Do do you think that, because I heard this from other people who had near-death experiences that their energy their vibration shifts and so afterward they have trouble like they can't wear watches anymore they blow out light bulbs and and I even had an opportunity to to speak at this near death experience like symposium. So it was a, mm-hmm. a whole bunch of people all in there that had had near death experiences. And the energy, I could feel it. I was like high the whole day. I was like, whoa, this energy is intense. And then they all joked, you know, in the beginning about everyone turning off their phones so that no one's phones get blown up. And <laughs> um, so did you notice anything like that? Maybe like electromagnetic, energetically different?
2: Yes. Mm-hmm. I don't wear a watch. <laughs> I don't wear uh, a watch. My my lights do blink occasionally. My phone will just turn off by itself. Things like that. Mm-hmm. But I do a lot of. It's interesting to me. I I can't imagine what a whole room full of people like that. <laughs> it it would be like. intense. <laughs> <laughs> um, yeah, I feel like I I have a heightened energy around me. I feel that way, um, and people have told me that so. I guess it's true.
1: (laughs) Yeah, and I can't help but wonder, too, if that also... You know, so we're a vibration, and then the people... We are all energetically connected, and then the people that we're close to, then we have these energetic cords, and we impact each other. And so you shifting your vibration that way, like maybe that helped your husband's vibration to shift and open as well.
2: Oh, yeah. He's much more open. And Mm -hmm. I feel like he's going to be even more open. It's kind of like I never... I never tell him how to be or tell him what what it's like. I, I I'll say, well, this was my experience, you know. But when I started doing energy healing, and he would see the person drive up, park in our parking lot, and then come in with a session with me, and then he'd say, I'd watch them leave, and they were like a different person. And he said, I can't argue with, you know, those results. <laughs> so. Um he's really coming around, and it's pretty amazing it's It's much more fun to <laughs> to talk about spirituality with him now because he gets it, you know,
0: yeah, that's really nice. And so you mentioned that your kids kind of didn't want to hear it right after it had happened. So are they starting to come around too?
2: My daughter is my daughter and I have a very close relationship. We talk every day on the phone, mostly because she drives, so. Far to work and she's bored in the car but (laughs) um my son I don't know if it's because he's a male he'll listen to me he'll say oh that's cool you have views on youtube that's cool um but he is a little more blocked I guess I, I don't know but my daughter has a gift my daughter is clairvoyant and I've had to help her with her gift and how to uh to be able to function, she's a a physician in a hospital, she has to function with spirit around her, so she reached out for help with that. I was able to help her to be able to function, you know, um, and be able to control her gift and not have it bother her throughout the day. Uh, My son, I believe, is gifted as well. Um, As children, they both saw spirit, Uh, but my son's really, he's, he's into computer games and computer stuff and he has a family and he's just, he doesn't seem to want to talk about it. So
0: yeah. When fine. you first mentioned your son and how he didn't want to talk about it, I th- immediately thought like he, maybe he does have some gifts and he's just not willing to, or he's not ready to, you know, accept that yet. Mm-hmm.
1: Yeah. It can seem black yeah. and white to people like, Oh, either I can be, a normal person and hold a normal job and have a family or I have to go down this rabbit hole and become one of those weird you know conspiracy theory <laughs> alien paranormal people uh, where it doesn't really have to be that I think you know you can be I feel like I'm pretty
0: <laughs> pretty normal
1: pretty normal <laughs> <laughs> I you know at the same time I, I, I yeah I have all these interesting different experiences but I also feel that I can relate to everyday people and I have everyday concerns and I think you guys probably feel the same for yourselves
0: yeah it, it's sometimes <laughs> hard to straddle those two worlds you know but yeah
1: well I still
2: run my guest house I'm still greeting guests picking them up at the airport at a ferry and I'm still cleaning rooms and then I go into reading mode and then I do a video and then I do a healing I'm kind of like all over the place but um, I, I think if people met me they would never know that i Practice, you know, mediumship. I don't think they would guess that. I, you know, I don't wear the scarf and the jewelry.
1: <laughs>
0: <laughs> yeah. Did you have anything else you wanted to ask her? No, I was
1: just gonna. Um, if you wanted to tell the listeners about your um, YouTube channel and or your retreats or anything like that, this would be a good
2: time. Oh yes, thank you. My YouTube channel is called The Lighthouse, and I named it that because. It's my guest house on Calabra is called The Lighthouse. So you can find me at The Lighthouse. and I'm The Lighthouse Medium, so you can find my website, thelighthousemedium.com. And, yeah, the retreats are all the information about the retreats is on my website.
0: Great. Well, thank you so much for coming on and talking with us today. It's, it was really fun talking to you.
2: Oh, thank you for having me. I really enjoyed it.
0: Yeah.
1: Thanks, Mary. It was so good to connect with you again. Oh, thank you. I, I love hearing your voice. It brings me right back.
2: Aww.
0: Do you want to say you wanna one last time real oh. quick? Sorry. I didn't have get the microphone. Oh, I have the
2: microphone. You guys are doing a great job. I absolutely love your podcast. I'm so proud of you. Oh, thanks. I'm thanks so for the support. You. Yeah. Wonderful. Awesome.
0: Thank you for listening to this episode of Beyond the Illusion. I'd like to say thank you very much to Mary Wiedner for talking with us about her life and her near-death experience. I'd also like to say thank you to Casey Henson for creating the music for this podcast. And I'd also like to thank Tiana Roser for all the work she does to keep this podcast going. If you're interested in learning more about Mary, her services, the type of work she does, as well as retreats that she hosts... Please visit her website at thelighthousemedium.com, as well as her channel on YouTube. To find it, just type in The Lighthouse Medium into the search bar on YouTube, and be sure to subscribe to her channel. For more information about this podcast, as well as past episodes and more, please visit our website at BeyondTheIllusionPodcast.com, and be sure to follow us on social media as well. Take care.